0: been a year it's already?
1: Been a, it's been a year.
0: Oh my gosh. We got through it
1: though. You are listening to the Dayton Daily News, The Path Forward, where we discuss the most pressing issues facing the Miami Valley and seek solutions. I'm your host, Dayton Daily News reporter, Jordan Laird. Last Memorial Day, Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin kneeled on George Floyd's neck for over 9 minutes. The world watched. The murder of Floyd, a black man, sparked massive protests around the world, including in Dayton and dozens of suburbs.
2: Don't shoot.
3: Don't shoot. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. People are
1: Chauvin was convicted of murder in April. Three other officers who were at the scene await trial. But last year's protests were about more than Floyd's individual case.
4: I still feel like there is a ton of work to do. I think uh, if it took us 400 years to get to this system of inequity, um, I imagine it's going to take centuries to get out.
1: To learn about Dayton's police reform initiatives, go to daytondailynews.com. As part of our ongoing coverage of law enforcement reform efforts, we also are examining how other area departments have changed their policies in the last year. In this episode, we wanted to hear directly from advocates. Last June, the Dayton Daily News asked protesters why they were protesting and what changes they wanted to see. A year later, we interviewed them again. Some are hopeful. Others are discouraged by the limited scope of reforms thus far. All of them say there is still a long way to go for our local community and our country to achieve racial equity. Here is Frederick Leon Cox, the a Dayton resident. He participated in protests last year. I sat down with him at Riverscape Metro Park.
4: We have obviously brought law enforcement um, accountability to the top of the list around priorities. Um, I've seen the city attempt efforts uh, to look at the way in which law enforcement interacts with the community and the police. The challenge is is that that's the exact same thing we did in 2011 after Kylan English's death uh, on the Salem Bridge. Um, And regardless of how that death Uh, happened rather that was on law enforcement or on Kylan English at the end of that what they showed in 2011 is that there was a huge rift between the community's perception of the police and the intentions or the set intentions of law enforcement and here we are in 2021 doing that again so if I had to ask has there been progress I'd say no Uh, Because we are not moving differently than we have moved a decade before when we had a similar circumstance to me Those reactive measures shows a city that is not progressive Um, And so yeah, I've played close attention I've seen that they've had plenty of recommendations that comes out of these these recommendations are not new These conversations are not new Um, so it's a challenge to see it as progress just because the Behavior or the practice happened again So no, I don't see um, the current efforts as progress, but I do see it as an indicator of new people invested in the conversation. I'd like to see some accountability on the end of the people who are given the privilege to protect and serve.
1: I asked him what else he would like to see officials do.
4: Right now there's a national conversation going around around qualified immunity and how that protects officers who feel as in if they are making a decision in their best interest they are given some sort of privilege uh, that says that they cannot personally be sued uh, or their pensions cannot personally um, be impacted by a decision that they make. And that really scares um, the black community who has had a history of injustice with law enforcement. And I think that there's gotta be some conversations locally around uh, the union contract with the FOP that suggests that if a police officer does something around here locally, they can be personally held accountable, um, not only uh, legally, um, but also their pensions, their retirement um, to be impacted.
1: Qualified immunity is a legal principle created by the U.S. Supreme Court, that grants government employees, including police officers, immunity from civil lawsuits for decisions they made on the job in good faith. Officers can still be held liable in criminal court when there's a clear violation of rights, like in the Chauvin case. Linda Huggins, a Dayton resident, educator, and mother of three young black boys, also wants to see greater law enforcement reform.
5: I would be lying if if I said I was hopeful. Even during the case itself, There were other shootings, other um, African-Americans being killed. Um, However, I was very um, happy about the verdict. However, I just think that that was just like um, me telling my son, here, take my phone and be quiet for a sec. But it is not solving the problem. um, It's not solving the problem until we actually have a bill in place that will hold police officers accountable that will make them think twice. And I know people get defund, the word defund the police confused with reform, I think that, um, in my opinion, that defund the police does not necessarily mean take their dollars away. It means let's allocate these dollars to go somewhere else. So first of all, let's train our police officers in de-escalation. But also, let's make a um, department maybe of the police, let's make that department, let's call it uh, maybe a distress call. So maybe a police, when we have a distress call, maybe the operator could say, it sounds like a distress call. It doesn't sound like something violent has happened. And those people who are trained in that um, department can go in there and manage the situation instead of pull their, the first thing is, I'm going to pull my gun. I feel like sometimes people who are 100% for police officers, no matter what, when people say police reform, they just get offended and automatically think you're trying to take money away from people who protect us. Being offended and getting defensive, I think that people need to just listen. Come to the table and listen. America have become this, have become a people of always trying to take offense to everything instead of talking to each other. And I just think that everybody needs to sit down and talk to each other. And sometimes when people get passionate about something, just listen. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, there's not a lot of listening going on. How do you feel a year later? Do you think any
1: progress?
3: been made. I think progress has been made in the sense that so many more people are aware.
1: That was Reverend Kelly Kelly, a Centerville resident and minister at Miami Valley Unitarian Universalist Fellowship. We sat down outside her congregation. She told me that at one of the protests she participated in last year in Beaver Creek, people briefly blocked the street. Officers used tear gas, and later several officers kneeled in solidarity with protesters. Police gave Kelly a jaywalking ticket. She had to do community service. Kelly says the criminal justice system needs to be
3: totally overhauled. Justice in one case is an easy place to stop. It's an industry where people make a lot of money putting black people in jail and um, putting them in detention centers and deporting them. It's its a huge business any way that we look at it. And um, that hasn't changed very much. Our denomination tends to use the word abolition, abolish, right? Prison abolition, abolish the police. And the reason why we say that is because We have seen through history that the historians, the activists, and the scholars can show us through history how the word reform has been used to just manipulate and change the oppression. What we believe is that racism is a cancer that will continue to evolve as long as we allow it. And words like reform um, aren't strong enough Do you think when you say abolish the police, people get scared? Oh my goodness! No. Yes. And and I have to tell you, like it scares me a little bit too. (laughs) Like that word. And I used to, um, I used to resist talking about prison abolition. However, I think the data will show us that it makes people worse. It's really complicated, and I do think that. That's what we've got to figure out, is how to create systems so that we as
1: communities can be more involved. Chaz Amos, a Thurgood Marshall High School graduate and current Sinclair Community College student is confident in the law enforcement reform process the city has instituted since last summer. We sat down outside the Gem City Market.
6: It's kind of hard to say at this point because it's only been a year. So, I think that over time we just have to see like how the reform works. Sure. The police reform. I'm very faithful in the, uh, the, the police reform board and, and what they're going to bring out as far as results. I'd say there's a lot of, of communication that still needs to be done. There still needs to be that connection between police and the community. You know, a lot of people have become anti-police, but that's not... What it it takes in order to move forward. I believe strongly that there will be a time where we're able to sit down and have those conversations where the police are talking to the community. You know, granted, we have the the police reform board uh, that are working on several different pieces, but you know, things like that are going to have to continue, not just for six months, but for, you know, almost until, you know, the end of a lifetime.
1: In response to protests last summer, the city formed five police reform working groups to make recommendations to the city commission on police policy and practices. Last month, the committee wrapped up after submitting over 140 recommendations. City leaders say they're making steady progress to make the proposed changes.
2: I'm glad that enough people were upset that things were carried out differently than usual. I would say that with that, there it, there is no magic wand.
1: Will Smith is a Dayton City School Board member. He's also the engagement coordinator for the city of Dayton's police reform initiatives.
2: It always feels like it's not fast enough. Cause, and, and you can't always just make it happen fast enough. But being cognizant and being sensitive to the fact that there are people who are like, even if you were able to make a lot of these changes today, I needed that change a month ago, a year ago five years ago and understanding that there's so many more things that we need to really push on and knowing that a lot of the things that need to be addressed won't visually be in your face as much as the George Floyd incident. So when we talk about cash bail, when we talk about recidivism, when we talk about formerly um, incarcerated individuals reentering society, These aren't stories that really pull at the heartstrings of people and really get a lot of people moving. I was hoping that that March last year, the
0: protests, that it wouldn't stop there. That's what happens. We we do a, a march, and we talk, and we mouth, and we march, and we mouth, and we march, we pray, and we march, and then we stop until it happens again.
1: The conversation kept going this time, says Daria Dillard Stone, She's a minister and founder of Sharing Ministries. She likes to call herself the servant.
0: I've been in conversation, Zoom calls, where we're trying to bring races together. I had never been in meetings where people were that honest.
1: So what still needs to be done a year later? What's next?
0: I don't know. I don't have all the answers. All I know is we need to keep having the conversations that we're having, and they can't be so uncomfortable that we don't, we can't talk about it. So we are willing to let things stay the same. I don't know what that looks like, but I know we can't not stay silent. We cannot, there's nobody that can be excluded from the conversation of how do we reimagine a world, a Dayton.
1: In the last year, new citizens groups have formed around racial justice, equity, and inclusion in Huber Heights, Beaver Creek, Fairborne, Sugar Creek Township, Yellow Springs, Springboro, and more.
0: What do we do? Stand up like that when black lives are under attack. What do we do? Stand up like that. When black lives are under attack, what do we do? Stand up like that.
1: This has been Dayton Daily News The Path Forward. I'm Jordan Laird. Dayton Daily News staff, including reporters Jeremy Kelly, Sarah Franks, and Cornelius Frolik, contributed to this report. Here's a poem by five recent Huber Heights graduates. It was read at a vigil in Huber Heights on Tuesday evening, the one-year anniversary of Floyd's death.
5: Black Lives Matter, written by Renee McKnight, Cameron Fancher, Jordan Hampton, Araya Long, and Brees Graham. Black Lives Matter, hands up, don't shoot. It's time to speak out, we can't be on mute. Pow, 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 there goes the gun. A black man is down and next could be his son. We don't want to start a war. We don't want to start a fight. But what you need to know is what they're doing isn't right. All this violence in the world, it really needs to stop. Imagine if your mom or dad got killed by a cop. Think about Alton Sterling. Got shot selling CDs in front of a corner store by the Baton Rouge PD. And Martin Luther King fought for us to be equal. Yet they still think it's okay to shoot down our people. All lives matter. Yes, they really do. But what you need to realize is black lives matter too.